As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and in a steamy car somewhere in Wolverhampton, your Wolves correspondent for The Athletic, Tim Spears. Hello, Tim. Not the first time that's been said, eh, hey, Jackie? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now, Wolves managed to recover from the shock of failing to score in a first half. Imagine that, just for the 60th time in 85 Premier League games. They conceded first, but went on to draw one all with Southampton at Molyneux, just as they did last season. Substitute Pedro Neto with their equaliser. And Wolves were up to ninth in the table. They could have gone above Villa in seventh with a win. We'll talk about the Codyless back four, self-isolating Saiz, as if Nuno wasn't unhappy enough about his players flying all around the world during a pandemic. Also, could Wolves fans be back at Molyneux in time for the Black Country Derby in January? We'll discuss your reaction to our exclusive interview with the former Wolves managing director Laurie Dalrymple on last week's podcast and any other business. Tim, where exactly are you? I'm I'm in the car park just off Waterloo Road. I can see the Billy Wright stand in my distance, surrounded by people who, who are leaving and going home. But I'm staying here to record this podcast. Good for you. Well, thank you for that. So Nuno, after the game, seemed very happy on television. At least he was happier in his TV interview than he was in his press conference, but he seemed satisfied enough. He said it was a good game, very intense, and he was very proud of his players. What were your overriding thoughts after that performance? Intense is the word. I mean, it was the most stimulating evening I've had in a while. It was um, there was all sorts going on. <laughs> no jokes. There was all sorts, all sorts going on from from the from the bombshell team news to to the bombshell formation four at the back and formation changes throughout the evening. Um, a really intense, high paced game. Uh, lots of incidents. Um, awful defending from from Wolves and some pretty good attacking at the end. Um, <laughs> and one thing I never ever thought I'd say whilst covering Wolves under Nuno is that when they switched to four four two, they looked like a decent team. Absolutely crazy, really. Some of the things it was probably the most un Nuno like performance that Wolves have given during his tenure, owing to the 
slapdash marking and 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 yeah, like I said, the varied formations four at the back throughout the game. No Cody. It was all very unusual. But some positives at, at the end of it, and I think that's why Nuno was happy. And um, you know, one thing that we've one criticism, one of the few criticisms we've been able to level at them. Um, certainly in recent times, is that they've become a bit predictable. You know how they're going to play. You know how they're going to line up. Maybe tonight's the start of a new era. Well, the second half onwards, that is. <laughs> it was yeah, quite predictable no, in yeah, the first I, half, goalless. Well, I think I think the way you could sum it up tonight would be ragged at the back, but better going forward. And um, they've had 20 shots tonight, which is the most they've had in a game all season. I put that to Nuno after the game and he, and he disputed it, but he'll have to take it up with the good people at Opta because... Um, they say 20 shots, uh, which is the most they've had in a game. And they could have won it at the end, you know, despite being off-colour and, 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 and not looking great defensively for long spells. They come out with probably more positives than negatives at the, at the, end, of the, the end of the evening. Yeah, the big talking point to start with was the back four and people talking about how it's the first time Wolves have played a back four since the days under Paul Lambert. It's the first time Nuno's played a back four since May 2017 when he was the Porto manager and they lost 3-1 away at... Morarense, I think is how you pronounce it. And on the bench for Porto that day, a certain Willy Bolly and Ruben Neves, a new substitute. Um, Yes, for Wolves, it is unusual. It's been a long time since we've seen it. And of course, that was due to Connor Cody. Now, we had expected him to play, hadn't we? Even if he'd been missing from training, it was just that we expected him to come back in. But Nuno decided against it. I'd I'd been expecting him to play. You know, the information I've... I'd really for the past week and a bit since he was um, since he had to leave international duty was that he would be available to play as soon as the game had been switched to Monday night, and it seems he he was available and could have played. I mean he was here, he was here at Molyneux. He's not at home self self isolating. He was here watching it in an executive box with with Johnny Castrotto. I'd love to have been a, a fly on the wall in that one, but yeah, Nuno's obviously decided that as soon as he hadn't trained with the team. That he'd leave him out, and maybe just a, a bit of a, a, an excuse and a chance to play for to play for at the back and see how it worked at the same time, you know. But yeah, it's certainly surprised to leave out your, your captain, your leader, your organizer, and of course, you know, he's been been in very good form this season, hence his his England call up. But not even having on the bench, I, I just thought it was a bit odd, and that was reflected in a in a very unusual first half performance defensively. You know, out of Bonnie and Kilman was sort of all over the place. The defensive line was. Here, there, and everywhere. Bolly, I thought. Well, I thought out of the two, Kilman looked the more senior of the two centre halves compared to Bolly, who made quite a few individual errors. And it was also unusual that Kilman was on the right of the two. The left-footed player was on the right of the centre half partnership. Bolly was on the left, so they're sort of playing inverted centre halves, which I didn't see the logic in because it's not like they were pinging balls out to the wing backs. Um, and that was rectified in, in the second half. But yeah, Cody, um, so Nuno said after the game that he'll be he'll be available for Arsenal. He's available to train now immediately. And it'll be very, very interesting to see what they do against Arsenal next weekend as as to um, as to what formation they play. Sorry, my phone's going off. Popular. Do you think that with Cody being unavailable, it was a case of Nuno taking the opportunity to experiment with the back four? Because we discussed on the pod recently, it was something you weren't that fussed about talking about, but I was quite keen to see what it would do for the rest of the side, particularly from an attacking point of view, if they did have a back four. Or do you feel that he just thought, I don't have the players to play a back five without Cody, even though he has Dendonka? He did have Dendonka. I think if he'd have done that, he might not have had enough enough protection for the defence 
with you know Neves and Matinho in, as a central midfield partnership doesn't offer a huge amount of, of defensive protection, and Matinho gets taken on and dribbled past more than any player in the entire Premier League. That's been the case for for two seasons in a row now, um, about 170 times in total over the over the previous two seasons. Matinho has been dribbled past by an opponent, and Neves isn't much better at that. So. Um, so I think if yeah a shortage of players if Saïs was available maybe it'd have been a different story and he might have slotted into to the back three but he's obviously thought yeah he has he hasn't got the players to to play that formation you know maybe someone like Christian Marquez in a couple of years is someone they're kind of building up to play in that Cody role but it's a very unique role and a very um, important part that he plays in that formation in terms of setting attacks up balls out to the flanks and of course his organisational role as well so. Um, so yeah, it was a gamble. I mean, they'd have only have trained for two days in advance. They won't have trained with a back four at all in the past three years. Halfway through the first half, it looked like it wouldn't pay off because there were so many gaps in and around the back four and Traore and Pedence weren't really tracking back. So there were holes for Southampton to exploit. And I think a better and more prolific, prolific team would have punished Wolves tonight. But somehow, you know, um, they kind of got through it only one nil down with sort of 20 odd minutes to go. And then that formation switch, they've really, um, they've really improved and created a lot of chances in the, in the last um, twenty minutes or so. And like I said, they could easily have won it really. And, and another another ten fifteen minutes, I think they would have been the team that would have won it. Yeah, goalless until the fifty eighth minute when Theo Walcott took advantage of some rather slack defending by Semedo. Had a decent game, didn't he? But he completely switched off then and completely lost track of Walcott at the far post from Adams Cross. Well, really, really poor defending from both wing-backs. I mean, Aitnori, or full-backs rather tonight, Aitnori's got out-muscled um, in the lead-up to the goal. You know, he's kind of he's kind of gone down saying he was injured. I mean, he, he wasn't injured. Nuno's adamant that was a foul. I, I, to be honest, I haven't seen a replay, but he's, he's certainly been he's certainly been out-muscled to it. Mm, yeah, Not great agree. defending. And then Kilman's gone to block the cross. I think he blocked the initial one. The ball's come back in. Bali's not attacking the ball, but most importantly, neither Semedo, who's just stood there. And it's really, really poor defending, you have to say, to have Walcott stood behind him and for Semedo just not to react whatsoever. He didn't even so, look. It's not as though he looked and thought he had him and then lost him. He didn't even look. Yeah, that's it. And, and, and you know, we know, we've heard from from uh, Dermot Corrigan, our legal expert on the Athletic, um, that he's not not been great defensively, certainly in one-on-one at, when at Barcelona and has been kind of suspect when he's been left isolated. And I th- we did see a little bit of that tonight. He generally, yeah, as you say, he kind of had a good game. He tried to link up with Traore down the right on a few occasions. Um, but yeah, defensively, that was that was very, very, very poor. Yeah, something for him to work on anyway. In terms of the midfield, João Moutinho looked like a different player compared to the one that we've discussed on this pod this season so far. He was my man of the match. And to go from not being involved at all at Leicester, the first league game he's missed during his Wolves career, you know, the first time he hasn't started or come off the bench in any Wolves game since he signed from, from Monaco a couple of years ago. To go from that and, you know, people writing him off and saying... Um, is, is he um, is he fading out now? Has last season kind of cost him with all the games that he played? To go from that, I think he had a good in, good international break. I heard a couple of good reports of him playing well for Portugal, and then he's coming tonight. And I thought he was the driving force really behind Wolves' comeback, and he raised the tempo. He was winning the ball high up the field, which is such an important part of his game and makes such a difference. And his set pieces were excellent 
particularly his, his his free kicks created a couple of chances from those. One for Jimenez, who who really should have done a lot better, which kind of backs up. Um, I remember speaking on the pod last week about a piece I'd done about set pieces, and you know I watched them all this season, and and when Martino's in the team, they are much better. It's a real string towards his bow. So I th- I thought he was great tonight. He didn't he didn't look he didn't look um, tired or lethargic like he has been when he's played in recent weeks. So that's a massive positive. Interesting that Neves was the one who, who got the hook when they changed formation, but um, he was on a yellow card though. He was on a yellow card. He wasn't happy to be subbed, as of course he wouldn't be, but. Um, but it was a it was a it was a positive change, um, a new formation that they haven't played before, and you, you know, criticised Nuno in the past for his substitutions. You've got to say he got them absolutely spot on tonight. He did, and he started Adama Traore, which a lot of people had predicted and really wanted to see because he hasn't really featured too much in a positive attacking sense this season. It hasn't worked out for him so far, but he started in what many would consider to be his best position on the right of a front three. How did you rate his performance? Um, it kind of harked back to his to his first season at Wolves. You know, he, he he saw a lot of the ball, a lot of running, but no in product at all. I thought his final ball was really poor, and even the kind of ones, even the ones that he found teammates with, were sort of often too heavy. The pass was too heavy. I think there was one towards Pedence in a good position in the box, and the pass was too heavy for him to properly control it. A break early in the second half where Jimenez was free at the back post, and you could hear him screaming for the ball, Jimenez. Adama, he says, and then Adama stuck the ball over the bar and straight behind for a goal kick. So he didn't shout and put his arm up and say, pick me again, Nuno, for the next game. And, you know, Penens did okay. And Neto came on and made such a difference that I think Traore may not start next game. But it depends on but what formation he plays. isn't that the problem, though? But isn't that the problem? The fact that he, well, he came in and, and maybe he didn't do as well as... I think some people enjoyed his performance and I heard various pundits raving about him. Um, but doesn't he need a bit of a bit of a run to get that kind of consistency, to get the flow? It's a very good point. I think it's difficult as to who Nuno leaves out, really. Really surprised to see Neto left out tonight. I mean, he's been by far Wolves' most creative player this season. In terms of chances created, he's way ahead of, of the others. I think he's created 15 in total before tonight. And... Um, He's really blossomed as a player. He looks he looks tactically very intelligent with, with, with the different positions he's been asked to take up on the field. He's good defensively. And his end product is good in terms of goals and assists as well. So I think Neto has to start. And it's probably between Traore and Pedence. Neither of whom has really set the set the world alight this, this season um, in terms of consistency and performances. So it's it's probably a bit of a fifty fifty between Troyer and Pedence as, as to um as to who gets the nod, but Neto has to start for me. Do you think Nuno seeing Pedence as somebody who's better at linking up with Jimenez in theory? Because we've seen that in previous matches, not so much recently. Is that what he's pursuing? Trying to get that link up play? Because Raul hasn't looked himself. Yes, he scored four goals this season. And yes, it was his strike that led to the equaliser for Neto. But he hasn't been looking anywhere near as dangerous as he well, was previously. The first half, I mean, he was a shadow of the player that, that that we know and love. I mean, he touched the ball 11 times throughout the entirety of the first half, which was um, the lowest of anybody on the pitch. I think Patricio was next with 16 touches and, and Jimenez was down on 11. Yes, he was Yes, he was isolated. And, and you know, you, I think you're right that Nuno does want Pedence to kind of create a bit of a partnership with him, but that certainly didn't happen in the first half, you know, there was a bit more of it in the second half and, and Jimenez had a couple of chances, but equally when he did have chances, he, he lacked conviction and looked to maybe, maybe lack a bit of, 
I don't know if confidence is the word. That's what it looked like. You wouldn't have thought so with someone like Jimenez and his goal record. And, you know, he's gone away with Mexico and scored for them and had, had a good international break in Austria. So he wasn't too far away. So, um, yeah, disappointing for, for Jimenez tonight. He, he's, I think he's got four this season, but he hasn't he hasn't looked like, like the player of last season so far. But then there was that header, wonderful trademark header, which was offside. But then you thought Wolves were just getting in the zone then, weren't they? Towards the end of the game, you kind of thought, you know, another 10 minutes or so, maybe they'd have won that game. But it does indicate that perhaps confidence and fluidity is a bit of an issue. They sometimes look like they're wading in treacle, wondering where the goals are going to come from. And then they'll hit a little mini purple patch, such as that one after Neto's equaliser. And they look like a different side. You're right. You're absolutely right. We saw it against Man City. Do you remember the home game against Man City at the start of the season? And yeah. They had a really poor first half, lethargic, that that kind of tre- yeah, running in treacle, like you say, defensively poor as well they were that night. And then had a really rousing spell in the second half, as they did tonight, when things sort of clicked, they're galvanised, players are running from deep, all sorts of options for, for people to pass to. And um, yeah, they, they looked they looked a different side, but these this first half issue just just continues. Mm. And you know they were trying tonight, and they had ten shots, which is yeah the most they've had in the first half this season. But in terms of fluidity and creativity going forward and movement, it just wasn't there really. So definitely something for Nuno to work on. Um, but I think the formation definitely definitely helped in the second half. You know, obviously they were going for broke, and Southampton were sort of clinging on, and Ralph Ralph Hasenhutl let out a massive cheer at full time. Um, very happy with the point. Did he? You know, could, yeah, he did. Yeah, I think that, you know, that considering that they were under the cost in those last 20 minutes, he, he was very happy to, to come away with the point, which is interesting. It's interesting, things you pick up on in an empty stadium, and one of them tonight was John, John Ruddy's vocal backing, <laughs> which was phenomenal. He sat in the family enclosure below me, and he basically took on the Cody role in terms of organising particularly after a shaky first 15, 20 minutes when Bolly seems all all at sea, really, and made quite a few notable errors. Ruddy really picked it up and he was encouraging Bolly and he was telling him where he was and telling him where his teammates were around him. It was very noticeable. He was he was the loudest man in, in the stadium tonight. Bolly d- did kind of take up the organiser role on the pitch, but obviously he's you know he's not gonna he's not gonna match Cody for that. So um, yeah, you know, considering John Ruddy's played what two games all year, probably, um, it just shows you what an important member of the squad that he is. It shows you a lot about his character that he's not just going to sit there and mope as soon as he's not playing. You know, he wants to play an active role from the sidelines. So I was very impressed with that. Reminds me so much of Rachel Brown Finnis when she was England goalkeeper for years, lost a place to Karen Bardsley, but was still the most vocal player in the entire stadium when she was on the bench for England. Very similar. It's something about goalkeepers, I think. They're all mad anyway. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Jamie Britton says, thought Jimenez was poor most of the game tonight. Too much travel in the international break, do you think? Also, 4-3-3 could potentially work long term with Cody back in there. He did it for England against Denmark and looked comfortable. What do you think? Well, first of all, about Jimenez, uh, he played 90 minutes 
for Mexico in a 3-2 win against Korea Republic and then another 63 minutes against Japan. I mean, though, I should point out those games were in, Aust- were in Austria. So he wasn't he wasn't travelling as far as he would normally uh, by, by any means. Um, you know, Saïs and Bolly were the ones that had to really travel far during this break. I just I just felt like he was he was very isolated and looked a bit disinterested sometimes in the first half when he wasn't chasing down um, opponents. As for as for the f- formation change, yes, Bolly hasn't had the best game tonight, but I think with Cody alongside him, you'd see an improvement. The back line was all over the place. Bolly kept coming um, towards players to get the ball, and Kilman was was most of the time set very deep. And then you had that really alarming um, chance for Walcott when it was one nil. And it should have been game over and 2-0. It was a very simple ball over the top from halfway. And I don't think I've not really seen this uh, under Nuno at Wolves. Basically, Walcott was all on his own. Um, Kilman and Aitnori were, were, were 10 yards either side of him. It's a bit like and that West fr- Ham away game, wasn't it? When we're thinking one nurse going on here, not used to seeing these massive cavernous gaps. Sort of like that, yeah. But those games, those, those, yeah, that was all on the counter-attack from West Ham. But this was just a simple ball from halfway, you know, in, in the middle of a fairly regulation passage of play. So it's very alarming to see whether they're playing a three or four. Cody has to play. And I think Bolly would probably be alongside him if he does play a four next time around. Manny on eight Nori. So many times today he looked to slow attacks and pass back or across rather than drive forward. Also looks like he's being targeted by opposition teams. Have his performances warranted a start over Marcel? Eight Nori looks to be lacking confidence to take on a man. You you would target him if you if you were the opposition. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a defensive weakness there, and I was surprised that he started. I have to say, having watched him at Leicester, especially in the back port- four, you'd have thought with experience Absolutely. of. Marcel. Absolutely right. Having watched him at Leicester have a poor game, albeit I think he'd picked up an injury. Um, well, he did pick up an injury in the second half, ain't Norrie. But having watched him give a fairly weak defensive performance at Leicester and then watching Marcel get through 90 minutes at Doncaster in the EFL Trophy and, and you know, he looked fit, albeit against, you know, very weak opposition. He had a really good game that night at Doncaster and I assumed that he would come back in and as a player who is um, can play left centre-half or left wing-back, is is pretty strong. He's pretty um, solid defensively. Very sensible from what we've seen of him. I was really surprised that Marcel didn't play tonight, and Aitnori on a couple of occasions really could have cost Wolves. And like we've said, he was at fault really in the lead up to the goal. His poor positioning partly contributed to um, that Walcott chance when it should have been two nil. So yeah, Nuno obviously sees something in him and. We saw him give that fantastic performance against Crystal Palace and, and he showed he's got a lot of um, attributes going forward. But defensively, with a new formation, with two days training, with an unusual team selection, I was surprised he didn't go for an experienced head in Marcel, who obviously was in the Champions League semi-finals with Leon, you know, just a few months ago and has so much more experience under his belt than Nate Norrie, who hasn't even played 30 games in his career yet. So, you know, we don't want to knock the lad, but if but if Nuno's going to keep putting him in the team, then, then you... you You've got to ask why if he's not going to be up to it defensively. Wolves first, is Pedence good enough? And other than Raul and Neto, who will score our goals? Yeah, it's it's a good point and it's an, it's an ongoing issue. The goals the goals just aren't there. Um, you know, they've tried tonight. Most shots they've had, an offside goal, quite a few chances in the second half. But some pe- players have got to pick up the mantle that, that's, that's been left behind by people like Jota and Doherty, who, who accounted for 25% of their goals last season. Nuno wanted more goals this season than last season, and they're certainly not on course to do that at the moment. 
like I said, this change of formation w- was was promising, and I do wonder if that'll be a theme now going forward. We've been screaming out for a plan B for a while. You know, when Wolves look predictable and lethargic, can they change it up? Can they bring in a different formation? And yeah, if you're going to play a four-two-three-one or a four-four two or four two four as it sort of was in the second half then with the players that Wolves have got and you're going to let them off the leash we can finally see um a bit of dynamic attacking and that's what we did get for a spell so that, that's that's promising going forward i listened to a little bit of five lives analysis and chris sutton is just completely baffled by the whole Wolves first half not scoring business he can't understand how a team can go out potentially with the handbrake on psychologically, he says, how can you go out onto a pitch and not give everything in terms of wanting to attack, particularly at home? He just didn't have a solution or, or couldn't work out how on earth it happens. And I repeat the stat, 60 times now, 6-0 out of 85 Premier League games since Wolves have gone up. They've not scored in the first half. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. That is crazy. I mean, tonight tonight was a bit different. Like I said, they've, they've had the most shots that they've had in the first half this season. But the fluidity just just wasn't there at all. And they weren't working in partnerships. There was a lack of movement. Jimenez was completely isolated. Uh, it's it's hard to explain and get, and get your head around, really. You know, the, as we know, when Wolves score first, they tend to win or they certainly don't lose. I think they've only lost once when scoring first under Nuno in the league. In three years, which was which was away at Cardiff a couple of a couple of seasons ago, Matt Doherty scored in the opening minutes, and then they ended up losing two one. Apart from that, if they score first, they don't lose. So I'd like to see them take the initiative more in the first half, certainly, and get that lead. And then we know how good they can be defensively, and how good they normally are defensively. You know, there's still only there's only Spurs in the whole league that have conceded more than Wolves this season. They're very good. Sorry, conceded fewer than Wolves this season. They're very good defensively. So yeah, t- take the game to teams early on, get that early goal, then sit back and and look to get a second on the break. Uh, I think that's I think that should be the strategy really. It's 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 bizarre how they don't take take games by the scruff of the neck in the opening stages, and, and it's costing them in terms of points. Yeah, and they're showing that when they do, like Sheffield United away on the opening day and then Crystal Palace at home, they're a completely different side. I mean, in fairness, a couple of excellent saves by the goalkeeper, Alex McCarthy, to deny Wolves twice in the first half. Yeah, the Dendonka chance, yeah. Exactly, and and the Pedence header as well. 24 times in the last 31 first halves that Wolves have failed to score. I mean, those stats are just utterly, utterly (laughs) bizarre. And also, Adama Traore, 
absolutely love watching him play. I know we've talked about him. The talent that he is, when he's free to roam, when he runs at players, blah, blah, blah. We know what he can do. But his lack of goal scoring really is quite alarming as well. He's only scored five Premier League goals in 74 appearances. Now, I know he's played wing-back a few times within that. But even so, you know, you can get forward from there, can't you? Look at Matt Doherty and his record, for goodness sake. But five Premier League goals from 74. And also, we obviously watch every kick that the lad plays, but his shooting really isn't great, is it? Quite often it's straight at the goalkeeper. You're right. He doesn't shoot often. I mean, he only had one shot tonight, which was... Deflected, yeah. Yeah, and it was a good passage to play. He won the ball back quite high up, didn't he? And then he took a player on. And then he had a decent shot from from range, which was saved. Other than that, he, he hasn't had a shot. And he doesn't really get in those areas, does he? He's, his primary focus when he gets the ball is to head really in the direction of the corner flag and then try and swing over a cross. And that's fine when your cross is a potent. And I think he was sixth in the league for assists last season, which is phenomenal. And in and in and I was looking at it the other day. I think only, only the kind of cream of the crop, you world-class players like De Bruyne, and Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson at Liverpool and David Silva and a couple of others. Only they got more assists than Traore last season. That was the company he was keeping because he had this this wonderful habit of skipping past players and clipping over a cross, often for Jimenez. And, you know, that was a really strong route to goal for Wolves. But when his end product's as poor as it was tonight, he doesn't look a great player at all. Um, obviously, he's he's unique in his style and his ability to take players on is quite frankly phenomenal and something I've never seen before at Wolves and you know he's very rare in his ability to glide past players seemingly at will but unless you've got the end product to back it up that's not much use really um you're you're right about the goals but I would say in his defense he doesn't really get in shooting positions and you'd imagine that that's a directive from Nuno really um, that he's Should primary... he get in more shooting positions? I mean, when you say he heads to the corner flag and puts in a cross, that's precisely what the opposition want him to do, is to head to the corner flag. Surely what they don't want him to do is a bit more direct running towards goal, towards a penalty area. And, oops, there we go. I've just managed to mention the penalties that Wolves don't ever win. Um, but if you actually get him a little bit more in dangerous central positions and inside the box, surely you're creating alarm bells for the opposition more than if he's heading to the corner flag. Well, he has, he has got it in him. I mean, a couple of goals he scored last season against Spurs and Man City at home, I remember. You know, he's kind of driving forward in a central area and stuck the ball in the bottom corner from 20 yards. And then, of course, those two goals he scored at Man City on the break when he was linking up, you know, with Jimenez. And then there was a couple of, a couple of occasions in the opening game of the season um, away at Sheffield United. I remember me and you were, were messaging at the at the time saying, Traore's been told to shoot on sight here, hasn't he? Because... Um, I think he'd been put up front after starting the game at wing-back. And he had a couple of real rocket shots which which whistled just over the bar. So he has got, he has got it in him, um, but we just don't see it enough, enough from him. And the argument that Traore doesn't offer enough end product is back, really, with a vengeance. And it's, and it's been a long time since he created a goal, which was against Bournemouth back in June. And it's been even longer since he scored a goal in the league, which was, yeah, against Man City coming up to a year ago now. December 27th last year. So it's not all about goals and assists. It's about, it's about creating chances as well. But he didn't do enough of that tonight either. So yeah, it's a, it's a shame for him. I was pleased for him that he started and it kind of puts to bed um, the suggestion, you know, sort of via Traore himself from the story we did in The Athletic a couple of weeks ago that he thought he was being left out because he hasn't signed a contract. You know, he's been handed an opportunity tonight by Nuno. 
I'm quite certain there's no rift between them. But it's his football that had to do the talking tonight, and and it didn't. He didn't quite do that, as you say. He needs a run of games. Will he now get that run? It'll be interesting to see. Mm, yeah, be interesting uh, to see how Nuno fits him in. You just feel there's so so much more to come from him. So much talent. So much of the opposition to be fearful of. You just want to maximise the ability that he has to Wolves' benefit. Uh, Vitinha got five minutes off the bench against Southampton. Four touches, 100% passing accuracy. Uh, thoughts on him and where he might get a few more minutes? Well, he's, he'll certainly get more minutes if um, if they're going to switch formations. And, you know, like I said, we saw it was sort of a 4-2-3-1 when he came on. And he, he when he when he initially came on the pitch, he was sort of in a 10 with um, Traore and Neto either side and then Jimenez up top. I mean, that's a, that's a mouth-watering sort of prospect. You know, if Nuno is going to let the handbrake off a bit more and... And you've got all this attacking talent and you've got Matinho in behind with intensity and, and, and his great passing ability. And then you've got the um, the fullbacks, Samedo and possibly Aitnori as well. That's that's um tantalising prospect if Nuno's going to go for something like that. But when you do that, you know, you sacrifice your defensive rigidity. So that's the conundrum for Nuno, as, as, as I'm sure he's been toying with really, you know, over the past few weeks, seeing his team kind of play this lethargic football but being very good defensively and this unbelievable record of clean sheets which which they've had over the past few months either side of lockdown so what does he do now you know does he does he try and keep it tight when Cody's back does he go back to 3-4-3 you know most players in defensive positions very organized not giving much away but not doing much going forward or does he look at the last 20 minutes tonight and say, look, Wolves were thrilling. They were exciting. They were playing dynamic, att- attacking, creative football. It was great. We haven't seen much of that at all this season. But when he does that, he's going to leave them exposed at the back and there are going to be holes for the opposition to exploit. So we, what we know of Nuno is he's, he's a pragmatist and he's an organisational manager who focuses on getting a clean sheet first and foremost. So is he now going to change his spots? We'll see in the next few weeks. But I think it's great that Wolves... That he's shown the willing tonight, you know, to 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 utilize different formations and 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 players in different positions. You know, we we do we do criticize him for for not being flexible with his with his tactics and with his personnel. So credit to him for doing that tonight. It was never going to be perfect on the first night. The fact they've come out with a point against a good team is a positive for me. And they've got a really difficult run of fixtures coming up now. So um, so let's let's see what they've got to offer. Yeah, Nuno's favourite expression is finding solutions. He used it many times in his various post-match interviews. He said it's all about finding solutions, particularly when he was asked about formation, formation changes. It has to be a positive thing that he has the option to use a back four. And you would think, well, yes, Cody's definitely going to come back in. Whoever it's for, presumably Kilman, but who knows? Um, and you just wonder whether he can work on that on the training ground. He can provide a tight back four that becomes well-drilled with the time on the training ground. And then that does open up options in terms of Vitinha potentially, maybe even uh, Traore getting a lot more game time in his favoured position and in different positions. Lots of things for him to explore and solutions to find. We're running out of time, but briefly, Saïs, we don't have um, an exact time on how long he has to self-isolate for, do we, Nuno was saying? I think he was saying tonight it doesn't look doesn't look like he's going to be um, available for Arsenal. That's certainly that's certainly what I inferred from what Nuno was saying. Um, I'd be surprised if he was, um, if he was going to play at the Emirates. I mean, even even if he's technically available, if he's not been training a la Cody, then he might not feature. But you know, he hasn't been in the first team of, of late anyway. 
Um, so yeah, it seems like Cody would be available at Arsenal, but but Saiz probably not. And finally, we had quite a lot of feedback to our interview with Laurie Dalrymple last week. Do have a listen back on your podcast platform if you haven't heard it already. It was very, very interesting on a range of subjects, particularly about the culture change behind the scenes and what he was trying to create in terms of a shift of mentality to the one being the sort of the sort of downtrodden um, mentality that we all pride ourselves for having from being from the black country. We, we all love to self-deprecate and we put ourselves down that's where our sense of humor comes from but he was trying to change that in terms of outlook and results on the pitch we knew what he meant but it seems some fans really went with it and some fans maybe didn't like the fact that that culture change was being brought in I thought that yeah I listened back to the interview in full and I thought that was the most interesting part of it for me you know how Dalrymple tried to to spearhead a, a culture change um and trying to make Wolves, yeah, more as- aspirational and, and thinking big and, and aiming for the top and maybe trying to consciously or subconsciously sort of change the, the, the mentality of supporters, as, as you say, and kind of Wolves a we interpreted as being, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know, how, I don't know how much you can interpret um, three simple words like that, but I think he was kind of saying it's a very um, sort of black country, Wolverhampton, local phrase and maybe maybe it was sort of seen as being a bit too um of a kind of an underdog sort of slogan maybe I, I kind of here we go again type mentality i, I know what he meant i know what I he meant so. and yeah yeah it was more like oh wolves a eh? we are you know we're going to be we're going to lose again some fans don't see it that way so it, it's a healthy debate to have but in terms of what they were trying to achieve it was trying to be more positive on the pitch wasn't it i mean the fans off the pitch can be as sort of self-deprecating as, as they like and that the sense of humour is not going to change um, but it's about trying to create a winning mentality I guess within the club yeah but you've got to you've got to be very careful haven't you when, when you're telling you sort of telling your fans how to behave or sing or, or think or dream and I, I certainly understood more what he was saying about out of darkness cometh light and that is very it's a very but that's a very his, historic phrase that represents the city's traditions but of course, Wolves are looking so much to the future and trying to do things that this club has never done before, and they want people to think to think a bit differently. But I'm not sure how much of that sort of impacts on you know whether they can beat Southampton at home on a Monday night. Do, do you know what I mean? So, um, but it was it was it's very interesting to hear the kind of culture change and and how they've had to change the mentality of the staff really, as as well as trying to influence supporters as well. But I think it's it's staff that are more important when it comes to things like slogans and aspirations rather than necessarily the supporters who as we know have have supported them so well over the past three or four years yeah very interesting uh, interview anyway uh, to hear from Laurie Darrymple former Wolves managing director so do have a listen to that and do make sure you read Tim's article on local Albrighton GP Matt Perry who is Wolves club doctor and you very much enjoyed talking to him didn't you Tim you know, I've done so many interviews since joining the Athletic, and this is probably my favourite so far. I think he's just—he's. Which is saying something, really. It's just I just I just love the guy, and he's he's so professional and intelligent, but also humble, and and kind. And you know, when you speak to people in the medical profession, and you might speak to them for half an hour and only understand five words. Um, and he's the complete opposite, really. He just talks like a normal person, which is great, but. He's, bit, he's wolves through and through. You know, he was telling me stories of how he used to go and stand on a box in the cow shed in the North Bank when he was a kid 
and John Richards was his hero and you know he used to play football with his brother in the garden and he was either John John Richards or Phil Parks depending on who was in goal <laughs> and then 20 years later um, he's in the dressing room and John Richards is walking up to him and introducing himself you know when, when, when John Richards was chief executive and he's done such an important job for Wolves over the past couple of decades but but certainly this year more than ever with the pandemic and you know Wolves looked to him for leadership and, and he provided it in spades and offered sage counsel and advice during what was such a traumatic and an upsetting time for everybody you know Wolves included and he's obviously um, formed very strong relationships with Jeff Shee and Nuno, who he speaks about in the interview and, and says, you know, they're very different personalities, but both men of such integrity um, who played, of course, important roles during during the pandemic as well. So, yeah, um, I found him fascinating to, to talk to. He's got such a wealth of experience and he's so well respected both at the club and um, throughout the game. And I was really grateful for him for, for um, doing an interview because he doesn't do any. If you Google him, you won't find much. Um, he just doesn't speak really. So um, I was really grateful for his time and hopefully people found it interesting. Thank you so much. So make sure you go online to theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolves pod to sign up for a pound a week if you haven't already of course and also download the app and you can listen to this podcast without any adverts cheers tim we'll let you um de-steam the inside of your car and head back to stafford where you are of course the sheriff cheers Thank you. Bab. see you next week <laughs> cheers and we'll be wearing rather special t-shirts next week won't we has yours arrived yet um it hasn't but i'm eagerly awaiting it and yes we'll take some we'll take some pictures next week <laughs> Yeah, we don't normally do photos of us doing the pod. We will next week. You'll know what we mean when we send you them. Thank you so much. We'll be with you again next Tuesday morning after the Arsenal away game. Hopefully we'll have some positive news to report for you then. Bye for now.